This is Catherine. And this is Seth. And this is... The Lovarians United. United. I think we did it for good once. You could just say it at separate times and then edit it together. No, it's funnier when we don't do it together. The Lovarians United. <laughs> Happy Winter Solstice. Yeah, from the past. <laughs> well, yesterday. Well, it's not going to be released today. It's released on Yule Day. Oh, you don't know that. Fine. Happy Winter Solstice then. <laughs> Christmas, Kwanzaa, Hanukkah, Winter Solstice, what Festivus, uh, Candle Nights. Yeah. We're celebrating Candle Night in this household. It's true. All right, so uh, I just realized that the story is mine to say today, and I'm going to talk about... Consequences. Yes. Can I talk about the impeachment or not? No. Oh, okay. Uh, Consequences. Okay, I wanted to talk to Seth's mother about the impeachment because uh, we do not have the same political view on a lot of things. Um, and I've been, I tried before to talk with her on the view and I realized there was no point of me trying to understand because it made no sense of like defending things that made no sense. And I asked Seth like, oh, can I talk to your mom about, uh, about the impeachment? And the first thing Seth told me is, well, you know what you're going to get yourself into. Mm-hmm. Like. I think that this was a warning of like, if you can, but like, there's going to be consequences. And I'm telling you now, I won't like ha- deal with it. And this warning made me like go reach to her and ask her. And then she told me her point of view. And I said, okay. And then we talked about the weather. <laughs> because this warning about the consequences made me realize that like, I might get myself involved in something I didn't want to. Oh, I was not emotionally capable of handling right now. And I like that, that the idea of a warning of a consequence can mm, prevent. Yeah, that's interesting. If listened. So that was <laughs> my story about the impeachment, but not the impeachment. Peaches. All right. So now that we are back because we had audio problem once again <laughs> it's time for the 30 second recap Ooh, are you a ghost <laughs> so it's your turn to start oh well uh, this is hard it's, so much happened let's just do it and see what happens it's not gonna be good okay ready and go Okay, in no particular order. Um, they Penny was trying to get a book back, and then he got it back from Harriet, and then the poison room, and then that guy died. I already forgot his name. Howard, maybe. Um, and then, and then, and then, and then, and then, what else happened? So much. Um, Julia, Shade, Quentin, drugs. Found out about Shade. They talked to Alice, twenty-three, maybe. I don't know what numbers are. Um, Tesla flexions. Me. Yeah, that's about it. Weddings. Okay. Uh, ready, set, go. So Quentin is depressed and he decides to uh, go help Qu- uh, uh, Elliot, but he ended up doing drugs because of Josh and seek Julia's shade, which made 
him trying to find Julia and have her shade back. Meanwhile, Katie and Penny are trying uh, back in the library because Penny has to work and they meet Harriet and they get a book which lead them to learn about the poison room and that their library is lying from them. And meanwhile, Margot is Margot and Fennec deserves better. I think that's gonna be the the, the rest of my uh, recap for season two. Fen deserves better. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Basically. <laughs> so, we are talking about consequences. There are so many in this episode. Why, why don't you start? I mean, just in, the, just in the recap, like, I was like, well... Well, I mean, I guess I'll just do one at a time. But the first thing that I said was, like, the consequences of... So, basically, the whole arc with Penny signing up at the library is a consequence of him being shitty to that river guy. Yeah. So, like, the whole... Because that's, you know, because his hands... And then he's trying to fix his hands. Um, but and I feel like it's basically a consequence of that. And... I also... I mean... It, oh, sorry. Go ahead. I mean, also, like, Katie, but mostly... I also feel being, that being a dick. Penny is the kind of guy that don't care about the consequence until the consequence are back to him. He acts like he doesn't care Yeah, but, like, he was like, oh, the, 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 the library's not now. It's, uh, it takes them for, uh, for, month, for weeks to process a book, so yeah. blah, blah, blah. Like, he's the kind of person that, yes, there are consequences, and I'm going to deal about it later. And I think that he's going to grow out of that. But at the moment, like, it came at a moment, he, like, that was not the yeah. best moment for him to go, to go in the library. Well, it was, like, plot-wise, but you know what I mean. <laughs> well, let's, uh, let's talk about Penny and Katie. Uh, 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 what do I have about them? I have that the libraries have the weirdest Google search there is. <laughs> using the little tube i love the little tubes (laughs) but i I just find it so inefficient and so ancient for a library that has everything yeah but they are very like they're books like if it yeah but even our library like you can go online and there's an online catalog yeah, but that's not fantasy. That's not high fantasy, Catherine. <laughs> but they have, a, like, the world of knowledge. That's what I'm saying. Like, it's super... That, like, they literally still use the little cards. Yeah, and that's inefficient. Yeah, but it's not about being efficient. Do you see how many people use that library, Catherine? Do you ever see people just in the library? No. Exactly. It's not about efficiency or access, and that's Harriet's whole thing. Yeah. We're going to talk about the Harriet a lot that I have a lot of feeling about. Um, but, um, and I mean, honestly, like Harriet's actions are a consequence of Zelda. We don't know that yet, but like, and the way that she was raised, but that's what I was, I wanted to talk about uh, later, but, um, like knowing all of Harriet's past now, it's so interesting to see her like introduced, Mm but she plays like, oh, I love the library and like, but like, but be aware they're not accessible. Yeah, like like she played that girl but that know the library but not that much. Yeah. Uh, but let's go back to um Penny and Katie. Penny and Katie. First, I wanna know how did Katie learn about who's fine? Uh, she just I mean, honestly, like so 
I mean, who knows? But my theory is like she's stealing shit. That's like good shit. It's like thieves can't. It's like good mm. shit to know. You can like you can sign to each other silently. You explain to you're... people that don't play D and D what thieves can't is. Oh, go play D and D. Um, thieves can't is like a like a written language of thieves in Dungeons and Dragons. Um. Okay, also, I'm just going to say that I was listening to D&D recently, and someone was like, they said in Thieves' Can't, and I was like, it's a written language, bitch, you can't speak Thieves' Can't. Anyway. <sighs> um, but yeah, so, like, I like the idea that, like, you could sign to each other. Yeah. If you were doing some sneaky shit. And, but also, I like that Penny was like, what did you say? Stop bounding! Like, you, you, like, how having a language, not knowing a language, has consequences. Also, I realized that, like, like how i mean not like i don't know when he when he walks away i was just thinking about this i noticed it this time when he walks away and he's like and she's like have a good day and he's like fuck you i'm like she doesn't even know that you said that because she couldn't read your lips yeah that's true but also like maybe you don't want her to you probably just don't care but like aren't even aware enough to know that she can't hear you <laughs> she's fucking deaf that's true <laughs> <laughs> when when uh, Zelda explained Penny the the poison room, she say um, there is knowledge that can, that could destroy worlds, and like mm -hmm. Penny take that too hard for real because you just saw a guy kill himself. But um, I do not don't know that because you haven't seen a season four. But like the library has this motto of like preserving the flame of knowledge. Mm -hmm. And I think, like, um, the guy that died is, like, the sad result of that. And I don't know, it made me think of all the, like, the soldiers and the consequences of this. His moment. name is Howard, okay. okay. The, the, that, like, that Howard's, like, that, that is, like, any soldier dead in a war that they fought because other has an idea of how things should mm -hmm. work. Mm -hmm. Like, his death is a consequence of a motto and not maybe his belief. And that's why... Like Penny shook of like he killed himself over a book, you know. Yeah. Sorry, I just don't have anything to add to that. I agree with you. When uh, well, we're gonna talk about Ariat now because um, we're there. Now that we know that the book Ariat got was from ten years ago, and the last time she talked to Zelda, and she told her like, "I'll come back to the library if you uh open the library to everyone." Zelda said no. Ariadne like, say okay, bye. And she took the, the book. And, mm -hmm. and then 10 years later, Penny picks it. And she acts like, oh, I forgot. Uh, blah, 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 blah. Give it back. But there's an enchantment that forced people in the, the poison. Yeah, I, I thought that was to help Katie. I thought that it was a plan all along. Uh, no, I saw that as because... Well, I'm trying no, to No, because basically she, Katie asked her while she was giving the thing. She couldn't have... Yeah, but I, I can't remember when she flicked it. She flicked it in front of Katie as, uh, after, and then, uh, and then... Before or after Katie explained. I don't after. remember. But, yeah. But an X is not a flick. The flick we saw it is just her checking out. We don't know that. We know, but we know that hexes is just not a snap. You don't know that? Maybe she's fucking powerful. 
Maybe she already did something to it, and that was the last thing. But that's what I, I don't fucking know. That's what know. I meant. Like I, I feel that like this whole I forgot the book was a ruse to get to his her mom. Yeah, but I, I, I personally feel that it, it felt like that the poison room was pointed to help Katie. Yeah. As like a fuck you to her mom, but also to help Katie. Yeah, I, I never see it that way. I, I understand where you come from. Cause for me, it always was like a retribution. Yeah, but what would her retribution be? Just opening the poison room? Well, maybe like the, the spell was for the guy to bring a book and then like go to her. Send it to her. We don't know like what the spell was compelling him to do. Mm, that's true. So, but I like also your 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 interpretation of it because yeah, no, that's how I two bird with it. one stone. Yeah. Um, and also like I I like the because she cause, because she's so about the access of knowledge for other people. Yeah. Like I don't think that she would be in it for the access of knowledge for her necessarily. Like I think that to me, I saw it as her being like, I think that the library's knowledge should be open to everyone. You want this knowledge, you should fucking have it. Mm -hmm. But I, I, I just, I also like the, the fact that uh, a deaf and a deaf person was talking about accessibility that was not her mm -hmm. main disability. Yeah. She was talking about another problem of accessibility. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I like this idea of like you can have a disability and not making your world or your life's fight. And that's what I love about Ariet. She just happened to be deaf. Mm -hmm. But that, that is not like her main core. Mm -hmm. You know? Uh, well, and I think that it gives her a unique perspective of understanding access needs and like, like, I think it gives her a unique perspective of being like, well, this should be accessible to like, this can be accessible to everyone easily. Like, as opposed to the rest of the world, that's not accessible to me. Like, there are things that need to happen in order to make things accessible. This could easily be accessible to everyone. You're just choosing to not make it accessible. Yeah. And I like what Katie said of like, who the fuck do they think they are for this side who have an accessibility or not? Yeah. But also, mm -hmm. I understand the point of view of the library and what Penny says in a rather good way, but there are some people that shouldn't have that knowledge. Mm -hmm. Like, I agree that we have the knowledge of an atomic bomb. I also agree that not everyone should know how to build one. <laughs> you know, and that's what I like about the debate of the library and both seeing both sides of Penny and Katie. It's they're both right in their own way. Like, where do you fall in that debate? Which side do you take? Because I think I take the library side and I feel bad about it. Because, but I do feel that there are some knowledge that some people who are, am I to decide that is another thing? I know one. Okay. But like, then there should be some kind of structure in place to decide who can get that knowledge. And I don't know what that looks like. And that even saying that sounds like elitist and weird, but like, I don't think it should be all or nothing. I think that like some people should have access but to the, the knowledge. Yeah. Like, but in, in season four, you didn't saw that episode, but there's a way to access the poison without dying that the librarian needs. So there's a way to have access to that. Yeah, but only for librarians. So, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, I think, uh, whatever, I'm a meta magician and I'm 
like I've been researching for 10 years about this particular kind of magic, I think I should be able to test out and prove that I deserve access to that particular book within a maybe, okay, you know, like at libraries, there are certain books you can't take out of the library. Mm -hmm. Like that. Like maybe I can read the book, but only in the library. So like I, I can't go and take that knowledge out or like maybe there's, you know, whatever, like checks that I have to do. But like I think maybe you can read the book, but only in the library and you can't like make copies of it or anything. Yeah, but like let's go back to, let's say Harry Potter. There's the restricted, restricted section and that's where Voldemort learned about her proxies. And Dumbledore found this knowledge so powerful that he removed it from the, um, from the, li- the, 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 the restricted section. The thing yeah, is, well, I don't think that access to knowledge is Voldemort's fucking main problem. No, but the fact that he that, that this book existed made him think of having our property. Yeah, but he would have found another way to do something terrible. I don't think it's the knowledge. Like, I think that, I think that the, that people are going to use that knowledge. There are other fucking issues. It's not about the access to knowledge and like. Who are you to say that people shouldn't have access to knowledge just because someone might do something terrible with it? Yeah, but what if, like, something terrible happened? It's not your fault. It's their, still their fault. I love that debate. Like, it's, I think it's one of the debates that is not talked enough, I think, in the fandom of do you agree more with Katie or with the library or of the head witches in the library of, like, the access of knowledge? Because it's even a problem between hedges and brazels. So it remind it, it makes me think of gun control. I don't think that guns should be completely outlawed. I think there should be regulations. That's how I feel. I feel like there could be regulations to who has access to what books and when and where they can be taken. But I don't think that you can just say no books because they're dangerous. I agree. But then we see that if we give too much um, lenience towards the guns, aka the U.S., well, exactly. Like, that's what I'm saying. Like, you can't just every, not like, you get a Horcrux book and you get a Horcrux book. Like, no. But, like, there are some people who can prove that they, you know, are capable and are, like, I'm thinking of, like, scholars and people, whatever. Like, people who have deserve access to those books. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But then also, like, it could become elitist and, like. Well, it will because I, that's how the world is built, sadly. And. That's the problem with yeah. the library in the end is that only a small portion of people can have access to it. Yeah. But I think that if everybody had access to like the general amount of books and then some people had access to the special books, then that would be fine. That's my solution. So, That's solution. So I want to hear uh, our people, people that listen, their opinion about the debate library versus uh, edges. Yeah. Tell us. I might do a poll. I should do a poll. Do a poll. Okay, a pool. A pool. <laughs> um, are we going with Julia uh, and Quentin or Elliot and Margo? We can go with Julia and Quentin. Okay. Emo Quentin. Uh, <laughs> That's all I wrote. I mean, the the first consequence that I saw was like in again in the recap was like Julia quote like quote unquote feeding. Quentin to Renard, as Katie put it, mm. like him, her just like uh, using him as bait, um, and the consequences of that, yeah, of like mostly her own consequences of like realizing that like she's fucked up and like trying to 
fix herself. But that's the thing. Like she say, I'm broken, and that makes me dangerous. Mm-hmm. And later on, uh, I don't know if you noticed, but Fog talk about Alice twenty three and say that it broke her to see them die. Mm-hmm. And I like I like the the recall of maybe Fog think that this Alice is dangerous. Oh, I don't know that he thinks but like, she's dangerous. Well, like how broken people will do anything to get what they want. A bit like uh, PSD Julia in the beginning of season two. Oh, I didn't get that impression that he was afraid of her. Not that he was afraid, but like he knew that some of her actions were made because she was broken. Yeah, but I think that they're more self-deprecating actions than they're like losing some fingers and shit than they are dangerous to other people. I think it's da- more dangerous to herself. Speaking of those fingers, uh, that's something that I, someone pointed on Tumblr not long ago, um, that she talked about losing finger in the first episode of the, fir- of the first season when they were doing a, a spell for Charlie. Okay. And, and before uh, Quentin find the four people spell, She's like, oh, there's this spell that I can do. I'm going to have to look at the finger, but that's okay. Mm. So she's, she was already ready to sacrifice herself and her body in pursuit of knowledge, in pursuit of like getting back to someone she loved, of like someone who died. And mm. that echoes that. Like, I, I, like when I saw this parallel on Tumblr, I was like, oh, mind blown. because like we see that and we're gonna see more of Alice 23 in in next season um but I think like see it's 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 funny because like we see Quentin so broken by Alice's death Uh but we also see how Alice is broken by Quentin's death Mm. you know yeah we see that parallel I also um, just want to say that all of Julia's problems are a consequence of Jane <laughs> taking her out on the yeah. top of break bills, yeah. basically. Wait, yeah, because everything led her to have, yeah. 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 So, but that's... Um, also, like, um, what's, what did I, I... I can read Julia, but I cannot read the rest. Mm. Mm. Oh yeah. Also, oh, go ahead. <laughs> um, when Todd and and uh, when Todd is talking to her and uh, Quentin when they're looking for information about Shade, and he's like, "Is everything here real?" And her answer is no, and like he freaks out. I just love how <laughs> let's fuck with Todd because we can. <laughs> okay, but I also like on a serious note, I like that they find out there are two things that happen as a consequence of people doing drugs in this episode. Actually, three. One is that Quentin finds Julia's shade, yeah. finds out about Julia's shade. The second thing is that they find out the information about fog because Todd is still, mm. like, a little high, hungover. And the third thing is that because of all of these things, um, because of the fact that, like, excuse me, because of the fact that Josh was, like, doing all of this, they got the idea, like, essentially because he's good at doing all like potions and things like that they got the idea to make the potion that helped them with the food fighters That's true so drugs they're the answer kids <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> but also oh like um quentin was kind of like mopping around in hillary and like moping mopping is a kind of cleaning moping around uh, around in hillary and like margot call him out on that like it's been three uh, three months and like 
get over it. And um, the like the moment it, it, not he feel better, but he stopped being a blob of nothingness is the moment he has a new mm. friend. Mm-hmm. The moment like we we keep saying how he needs fixing, and mm-hmm. like oh, I have a solution for Julia now. He needs a project. He needs a project. Which is really common for people who have depression yeah. is like you need something to be working on or focusing on. Otherwise, you're just going to sit and, and spiral. Yep. And like, but I like that, like the, the, the one thing that, that, and like his love for Julia and Julia's love for Quentin is always uh, hinted. Like uh, that, that uh, Julia saying to Q, like, I don't know, I don't have any more compass anymore, so I'm just asking, will you be mad at me if I did? Like, is the replacement mm. of her shade? And yeah. meanwhile, you helping Julia is like the, helping him coming back to mm-hmm. this. Like, I, I, I love this kind of like, we, we know we're using each other, but it's out of mm-hmm. love. Yeah. I don't know how to properly say that. Um, no, I, I get what you mean. And also, oh, sorry, I'm so tired. Also, um, there's two other things I wanted to notice. First, that like Alice has been looking for years to how to find the <clears throat> how to find the um, the ancient ones, Alice twenty three, mm-hmm. and Julia found it. And that's why, like, Julia is really smart. Like, that's not, uh, mm-hmm. but Julia and Alice together, I'm scared. Yeah, they are the poison room. Oh. <laughs> Go on. Explain more. No, like they together, I think I think it's good that they never became friends. Because together I think that they would be dangerous. Do you think that's why removing Julia from Break Bill was the the solution? I don't know. I don't think that they were besties or anything. We don't have any proof of that, but I don't know. Well, I think I, I, I always saw it more as the butterfly effect of like just one small change leading to all these other things. And we don't really necessarily know why. Yeah. It's like maybe having a Quint- uh, Julia there makes Quentin and a little date in this one. Or like there's twillion, twillion of fanfiction fic- <laughs> about that. Um, and- I know I wrote one. <laughs> And the last one I wanted to talk about, uh, Julia, uh, Julia, is at the end, like she said to you, like, "Oh, you've uh, you stare, you like clearly not reading." And he's like, "Yeah, I keep seeing Alice's face," and she's like, "I get that you're hurting. I don't know what to do to make you feel better." And this is a sentence that you tell me when I yeah. have my big anxiety attack. That, yeah, they happen. <laughs> You know, and there's absolutely nothing like, yeah, I get it. There's nothing you can mm-hmm. do, you know? And I just, I, I like that. And sometimes that's what I need to hear. Just like, I get it. Mm-hmm. I'm here, you know? But the fact that she still had this compassion without her shade, mm. just show how much she fucking, sorry, fucking love Quentin. And she's trying. Yeah. But, and, but also like how, I think that's like a reminder for all of us that sometimes the best thing to say is that you don't know what to say. Yeah, and just admitting like, I want to be here for you. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Excuse me. But just admitting like, I want to be here for you, but I don't know how. Yeah. Which is, I don't know. I I, I just, 
it's uh, something that we don't uh, we don't talk a lot in the show and uh, yeah. Like Did you have anything else to say uh, specifically about the two of them? Because I had something to say about Quentin. No. I was just going to say that I we, we see this in the recap, which is interesting because usually in the recap, it's there for things that are touched on in the episode, but they don't touch on this in this episode, which is him setting Alice free. And I'm curious to see the consequences of that. Him being, as him being depressed for three months in White Fire. No, but the actual consequences of what Alice is is doing in that time. Well, we're, that we learned in season three and four. Yeah, but we don't know now. No, exactly. And like this could have had danger. And I and I think him thinking about the consequences is what's making him but depressed. I, really, yeah. I mean, also also the idea of losing her. Mm-hmm. But but I I think like feeling guilty for whatever you know and and imagining because like that's something that we do when we have anxiety and depression. Right, is like thinking about the worst possible scenarios that could possibly be happening. And so like, I'm imagining that he's just thinking about all the terrible things she could be doing. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, um, can we talk about Margot? Oh, I have so much as to say about Margot and Elliot. So, I mean, obviously there's, we see, we start to see the consequences of her deal yes. with the fairies in this episode. Also her attitude of just like, well, I can fix it. I'm like, no, you fucking can't Margot. Yeah, but you can't just make deals. Is, and then like, this is her lying to herself. Because like, then <sighs> like we, I think this is the first time. We I see- find it so arrogant. Yeah. And I think it's the first time that we saw the real Finn, not the polite, quiet, shy girl that she thinks she should be, but the, you're going to fix this bit, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. Well, okay. My favorite part of the whole episode is when, when Penny's like, this is fucked up. And Celta's like, you know what's fucked up? (laughs) Like she whispers (laughs) She's not able to say it. (laughs) It's like when middle, when like grandmas say black. Yes. Oh my god! <laughs> I can't. I can't. <laughs> but um, but yeah, and and obviously, like them seeing the fairies is a consequence of Margot's deal. But like, as a consequence of Margot's deal, also like Fen is thinking she's crazy for how long? Several months. Three months. It's been three months. Yeah. She thinks she's crazy. And that's that's something I I want to talk about is the fact that we see Elliot being this bridezilla. Which mm. first question why? Why is he a bridezilla? Well, I think that he... So I actually wrote this down of, like, Elliot wanting everyone to like him as a consequence of, like, his upbringing and trauma. Mm. Like, I think that he has a serious need for, like, for perfection and, like, for everyone to like him. And I think that that's, uh, you know, has to do with his, like, not being liked and not being himself, not being liked for being himself as a child. Yeah, especially coming from, like... Uh... Uh, break bill where he was the king of the school mm-hmm. and now being in a place where he has what a 23 <laughs> percent approval rating or yeah, whatever and like, like uh, that you think that makes answer me the second question i have of why did he went to play with baylor but gammon yeah he wants to know well i mean have you ever had a fight with someone and you're just like i just want to know why you're mad at me like like, you know when someone won't tell you why they're mad at you and you're just like, I want to know what it is so that I can, like, fix it. Mm-hmm. And that's what this felt like yeah, to me. Yeah, like, I, totally I want right, to yeah. fix 
whatever I'm doing wrong because I really want people to like me and I don't understand what I'm doing wrong. Yeah. Like I'm doing all of these things so that people will like, not like just so they will like him, but like, you know, he's like, I, I fought fucking hand-to-hand combat or like hand-to-hand combat and like I'm doing this marriage and like all of these things and like people still don't like me and like what am I doing yeah. wrong? You know, but, I think deep down it still feels like very like middle school to oh, me. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But you that's know. the thing, like, in this episode, we should see Elliot as self-centered and, like, only worried about himself. Like, even with mm-hmm. Margot, he's, like, all about himself with Margot. But not with Fen. With Fen, like, he's kind. And even, like, when you see her, like, just looking in the distance, you go to see her and he's worried. And he says, hey, do you want to try the cake with me? And, like, I'm just, I'm just confused by this. Hard. Like, is it because he want he want to her to love him, or he's just fucking worried about her? I mean, I think he's worried about her, and I, I think that it's like he he kind of has this need to like make everyone happy in a way, like wants everyone to like him and be happy, and you know. Yeah, but like you said in the other episode, that he decided to marry a guy without her. So, like, he doesn't care about her, and suddenly he's fine, and therefore... I don't think he doesn't care about her. I think that that was his way of of solving that situation. Like, I think that he was looking for a way to solve that situation, and he wasn't necessarily thinking, oh, how is this going to make her feel? And I don't think that means he doesn't care about mm-hmm. her. He said the moment he was not thinking about her. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. like... Like, you know, it's like that parallel thinking of, like, oh, wow, I found a way to solve the solution, you know, to figure to fix this problem Mm -hmm. and then it's like oh yeah i never really considered how that would make you feel i was too busy worrying about like the entire kingdom not like the entire kingdom is more important than you but like uh that's a big thing to deal with yeah but i like that like during this whole thing or episode where we were supposed to see elliot as self-centered he managed to have a suspicion about the fairies not knowing it's the fairies but knowing there's something wrong you know like even self-centered elliot Heart and kindness shows up. Um, also, how precious Ben is when she tried to explain what a website is. City pixel pixel cities. Yeah, cities made out of pixel. Yeah. Um, but they they uh, sorry when we were watching this episode, there was a serious glare coming through my window, so I didn't um. They end up taking Fen in yeah. this episode, don't they? Yeah. Okay, so like that's a, that's a con. The fairies end up taking Fen as a consequence of Margot's shitty actions. That's a fucking big one, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, yep. and also like um when and I think oh, oh go ahead. I was just gonna say I think Fen not agreeing to the deal is a consequence of Margot lying. I think she might have agreed to the deal if Margot had been up front with her from the beginning. Like I don't think she would agree. She's- well, if if she had been, if Margot had been up front and said, it is Elliot's life or your baby. This is an impossible I, choice to be honest. I know, but I think that there's a possibility mm-hmm. that she might have agreed. Like, we don't know. Yeah. But there's absolutely a possibility that she might have agreed. And I think her earnest, like, absolutely not. You fucking tried to trick me into this is, like, a consequence of Margot lying yeah. in the first place. Like, I think that she might have done it but been really – or maybe she would have, like, tried to backtrack and been like, no, I changed my mind. But no, Let's try to find a way out of the deal. But, like, I, I think that there's a chance that she would have, like, said yes if Margot hadn't fucking lied to her face about it. Yeah. <laughs> And, Don't lie to people. But also, how um, 
uh, like she said to uh, like Elliot is like, oh, you're weirdly comprehensive that and shit that's my dog and I, it made me realize that in this episode everyone has a job like quentin has a job to help to find a solution mm. so for julia penny has a job for the library katie has a job to fix reynard like everyone has a job that and that will accumulate in the end of season three to the start of season three mm. and I, I just like this i because like it felt like the last episode was like the ending of the first part of the season even if we're at mm. episode it was episode nine and now they're just placing like in the chessboard they're placing their pawn mm-hmm. for for the finale mm. and um also i forgot that elliot was the reason josh was in fillery yeah because food because food but also that's the one thing i like is josh just ask you how he is Hmm. He just said like, "Hey, how were you last time I saw you? You were not doing great." Did anyone ask you that? <laughs> no. Like honestly, this moment made me love Josh because hmm. maybe he's the only one that asked. And like you would think, said it back about that question, he was like, "Yeah, I'm fine." But like, <laughs> you know, like just the hey last time i saw you you were about to die and i was a werewolf how are you because i know i'm not doing great <laughs> you know and i don't know like it just just that sentence made me love josh which is surprising because hmm. that was a character that i was trying to love but couldn't find a purpose or, or like what differentiated him of any other npc just on that. Hmm. and i think this is this is that he cares yeah, he genuinely cares about them. It's not the oh yeah, you're my friend, you're gonna love me, whatever. The hey man, how are you? Yeah. Well, the only thing I have left in my notes is Bob Ross. So <laughs> before we talk, okay, about, but okay, go but ahead. wait, but has anybody ever done fan art of that? Because no, but I need it now. Why? Dean Fogg and Bob Ross's artistic rivalry. I need it. Dark artistic rivalry. oh excuse me <laughs> but, but Ross being a magician will explain a lot of things that's fair <laughs> but uh, the only last thing I wanted to talk about before we go to the Electro Divina is love potion uh, this is a debate mm-hmm. that happens a lot in Harry Potter Harry Potter Harry Potter but like the idea of consent and love potion and it, like what are the consequences of doing an action under uh, some people, and I think I'm one of them, but I'm, I haven't like sat down and think about it. But is making a love potion to sleep with someone make you a rapist? I yes. think so. so yes. Some say no because it like produces the love. So you think anyway. I won't start that debate because Harry uh, Potter fandom will come into this podcast and beat us up. But <laughs> I like I like this idea of. Even like uh, Josh said, like, oh, I roofied the the I roofied the dishwasher, and Elliot is like, what? Like <laughs> Elliot who has no moral compass. He's like, what? But also like how they use it. They use it as a weapon, though. Yeah. Man, it's not like I don't think if they seriously use it at the wedding to make everybody like him, then that I would have a problem with. They're using it as a weapon, like whatever. It's like biological warfare. I'm not okay with that either. 
<laughs> I'm okay with them using it as a weapon because it's just knocking them all out. Yeah. Temp- temporarily without it's not it's not ki- better than killing them all. I agree. It's just I, I just like the um I the discussion around love potion and how there's a limit to it, you know? Yeah, totally. Like I think if he was using a love potion on Idri or something like that yeah. would be different to me. Like he's using it. They're essentially what happened, it's like it's like sticky notes like they figured it out by accident like he was making a love potion for one reason and then they were like actually we could just use it to knock everyone out <laughs> since you made it too strong yeah like you know all right so i think it's time for the liquid vina okay what's uh what's our sentence uh, can today? You oh i guess I look yeah, so uh, Lectio Divina is a 14th century monastic uh, practice, but we're not 14th century monks, and we're going to do it. So look at that. We're cool. Uh, our first step, basically, is we're going to look at uh, – Kat is going to pick a sentence from the script of this episode, and we're going to look at it and say what's literally happening right now. Then for the second step, we're going to uh, think about stories or things that it reminds us of. For the third step, we're going to think about what it reminds us of in our own lives. And then for the fourth step, we're going to uh, figure out what we feel called to do based on that. So without further ado, what is our sentence? I never once stopped to ask if I was doing the right Oh, that's a good that's one. That's a good one. Yeah, okay. So uh, you tell me, because I don't know where this is this in the is, script. Where, where is this literally, what's literally happening? Um, Quentin is going to Julia to uh, tell her about this mm. her shade, but she closed the door and she said, like, I'm dangerous and you shouldn't be near, near me. And the, the, like, I almost killed you. And I never thought once of, like, what the center. I never once stopped, uh, stopped to ask if I was doing the right thing. Mm. Uh, so that's what is happening is Julia realizing that she doesn't have this boundary that we all have I don't know that I have a story for this one it's a good one but I'm trying to think alright it can be like a story like um, like a fiction yeah I know I don't know that I have anything for this um... I do I'm gonna talk about the good omen okay um, Basically, The Good Omen is a TV show dash book where the angel and the, the demons want to have a war. And mm-hmm. uh, the angel and the demon that are on earth to protect it and to spy on the others realize that like this war is wrong and they're, it's be, being built as, as this thing. But no, on the both side, they don't ask. Is it a good thing to do that? You just want to win. It's not about the righteousness of the war and like mm-hmm. the consequence of uh, consequence the consequence of all the humanity being wiped. They don't care about that. They just want the war. And it's, yeah. it's when um, as Raphael and uh, Crawley says like, "Whoa, are we doing the start to ask themselves that question yeah, of and I think what is the right and thing?" And that's to why do. they're the outcast of their clan is because mm-hmm. they're questioning the higher power so that makes me think of the good moment you know what this makes me think of makes me think of fucking dumbledore oh (laughs) because did dumbledore ever think about whether or not he was doing the right thing or was everything just a means to an end for him well yeah that's 
that's the big question of this uh, episode. Uh, episode. Yeah, yeah, of yeah. this episode. But like, I don't know. That's what it makes me think about when you're just like when you have a goal in mind and you're just like doing the steps, and then you like step back and you're like, "Was this like? I don't know. Was this a good way to do this?" Yeah, it's uh, it's, maybe it says that you've raised this child to go to uh, slaughter like a pig. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. So our third step is what does it remind you of in your life? Um What was can you reread the sentence? Yes. I never once stopped to ask my ask if I was doing the right thing. I never stopped once to ask if I was doing the right thing. Oh, our downstairs neighbors listening to salsa music. Oh nice. Are they doing the right thing? <laughs> I don't know. Let's go ask them. Um, <clears throat> I'll text Paula. Um, oh, this is hard. This is a hard one. Yeah, and I love it. I love that. It's oh, you know what it makes me think about? Okay. When I was a kid, I, well, I mean, I still have ADHD, but I had like severe ADHD. I had severe impulse control. So I would just like do wild things. And then people would be like, why'd you do that? And I'd be like, I don't know. Or I was bored. Those were two of my answers, mm -hmm. which is very, very common for kids with ADHD for those to be your answers. I found out later in life. But anyway, so one day I, <clears throat> I used to, when I was bored in class, I would ask to go to the bathroom and we had like these strips on the walls like of um what do you call it cork board so that they could pin up like tests or artwork that kids did and I would find a uh pin like a push pin that wasn't being used and I would take it and I would go to the bathroom and I would carve things out of like instead of I don't know I was fucking dumb um instead of like just drawing graffiti I would carve I would chip away the paint Jesus Christ and I would make graffiti by chipping away the paint with a push pin. And so I made this, like, <laughs> I made a heart that was like, you know, Jessica loves, Tyler loves Jessica or whatever, who were two kids in my class. And then people started to talk about who did it. So then I made one that had my name on it so I wouldn't look like the culprit. You're the I was smart. Okay. And, but it was weird for some reason that. All of a sudden, that was in the fifth grade, and I started to have, like, immense guilt about it. Like, I never had guilt about, like, anything that I did like that, and I had so much guilt that, like, I told my mom, I, like, admitted that I did it, and I felt so bad, and, like, after that, I, like, really turned myself around and was, like, a really good student and was, like, a really good kid, and I don't know, like, why that was the thing that, like, but, like, for some reason, that that's what that makes me think of, of, like, before that, like, I hadn't really stopped to think, like, oh, was this a good thing or a bad thing? Like, I just was, like, doing it based on impulse. Mm -hmm. And after that, like, I really started to be, like, to have, like, a conscience about things. Mm. Mm. For whatever that's worth. Got anything? Yeah, but it's about work, and I don't want to talk about work. Um. Well, I think I'm going to talk about work. It's, I mean, I have this power that not a lot of people have in the world, which is I can rebook passengers on flights and give them hotels and give them meal vouchers. And sometimes, like, we have a rules depending on, like, why the flight was canceled and how long do you wait for your new flights and blah, blah, blah. And sometimes, like, 
the person like I, I I like sometimes I go by the I see people going by the rule because it's a rule, you know. But they never mm-hmm. ask themselves if it's the right thing to do. And meanwhile, I know it's like okay, if you have more than two hours, you give a meal voucher. But the person has a, like a, an hour thirty, and it's five in the morning. I'm gonna give them a meal voucher for them to get, get themselves a coffee. Yeah, it's it like it's not like the righteous thing, but as a human. Seeing and uh, having to say to another human, you have two hours to wait, so you get yourself a coffee, man. Like that's the my act of empathy, yeah, towards this person. And like, there's this debate within my coworkers of how strict we should be with that those rules, with the mm-hmm. the, the cancellation and delays rules. And I'm on the side of we're human and we're kept, we have this capacity of of caring and of having empathy which a machine will never have. And others yeah. says, yeah, but if you start to care about one person, everyone should have it. So I like, and, and, and it, it makes me think of that, that duality of, like, it's this kind of, like, equality doesn't mean everyone has the same thing. Mm-hmm. Equity. Equity, sorry. Doesn't mean that. No, I'm saying equity is the other one. Oh, okay. Is the one where you make adjustments so everybody is equal. Exactly. It's not, and like, the passenger that has access to our lounge that has free coffee and free food, I won't give him a meal voucher. Yeah. Because he has access to free coffee, you know? And there's this, or like that that passenger that yelled at me and told me I was worthless. I won't try as much. And I'm like, I might not go, like, try to ask my manager if there's some. You know, the person who like is patient, or like I'm gonna do the extra miles, and yeah, like the, this idea of doing the right thing sometimes is bending the rules, mm-hmm. or just questioning what's in place. It's a bit like what I was saying about the good omen of like this idea, but also questioning it with your, your own value. Yeah. Well, yeah, make me think of that. <laughs> Okay, so the last step is what do I feel called to do? Um, I would say, I mean, I don't know. I think for me it's like finding a balance between thinking about what's right and wrong but also like critically, critically thinking about that because like am I saying that this is right or wrong just because it's a rule? Or, like, should I think past, like, I- I'm sorry, but I think that there are laws that I don't agree with, and I don't think that I need to follow them all the time. I agree. Um, and I think that there are rules that I think I don't need to follow all the time because I don't think they're fair or right. And, I mean, I think that's how we make change. I mean, see, there was a law before that black people were not equal. Yeah, that's not right. You know, like, that's not, you know what I mean? Just because it's the law doesn't mean that it's... Yeah it's good and so i think thinking thinking continuing to think critically about rules and laws yeah i like that i want to try to interact with more complexity to the world to Mm -hmm. not seeing everything as right and wrong black and black and white white. this idea of you can have a situation where there's no good answer or like Mm -hmm. you got the best of the worst situation Mm-hmm. You know, and sometimes, like, I see people doing actions and saying, like, like, oh, what did they did that? What they acted that way? Why, why were they so mean? 
but mm-hmm. I don't know their life and I don't know what led them to that choice. Mm-hmm. And who am I to judge? It's a bit like who am I to decide which knowledge you should have? Who am I to decide yeah. what, what value you have to this world? And I, I, ca- I caught myself a few times lately to judge people like freely and not complexly. And I want to go back to that. I like that. <laughs> okay, it's time for a flower in our vase. Yes. Mm. Well, I can start with you one. Hmm. Well, I got to think about it, though. Hmm. Uh, I want to give my flower to Harriet because fuck the system. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Good. Undermining systems of authority. I'm into it. Um, And I want to give my vase to Zelda for being the system of authority. <laughs> Ugh, fuck the man. To follow it blindly, I will say. Yeah. I will. Uh, yeah, well, it's not your turn, so you can't say. Uh, I would say fuck. Um, fuck Margo. <laughs> Just for having to brought that pen and to make her yeah. think that she's crazy and then say, oh, it's no big deal. I'm going to fix it. Like diminishing her distress. Fuck that. Like, we praise her as being a feminist, but that was the... <laughs> Trading away someone's fucking baby without their consent. It's not really a feminist move. Not your best moment, But I moment, think that's what made her grow up after. So. But it's yeah. just like, in this moment, fuck Margo. And I want to give my flowers to people. So it's going to be a split flower. To Josh and Julia. To ask Quentin, how are you? What can I do? Mm. You know, or acknowledge his pain and say, what can I do? Because mm-hmm. we don't do that enough. Like, sometimes I know my, yeah. my, my friends don't feel good. And I'm like, I don't want to go ask them how they feel because I know they don't feel good. But sometimes it's just, hey, I think about you. Yeah. So I want to give them a flower. Yay. So, well, I think it's going to be that. And the next time we're going to talk to each other. Well, the podcaster, not us, because we live in the same house. But uh, when next time we're in the podcast, it's going to be a new decade. No, I'm not talking to you till next year. Okay. It's going to be a weird time to live together. Yeah, especially we're going to my parents. <laughs> I'm sorry, I can't talk to her. <laughs> she said so on the podcast. <laughs> but uh, once again, thank you guys who've been following us. I cannot believe it's been already a year that we've been there. Uh-huh. Almost done with season two. Woo. And uh, season, three, uh, season five is going to be airing in January. So I'm going to die while Seth is like, I still haven't watched season four. (laughs) (laughs) I'll watch it eventually. You were supposed to with a friend, but they bailed. (laughs) Yeah, that's fair. They're queer. What can I say? (laughs) So uh, happy holidays. Merry solstice. Happy candle nights, everyone. Yep. Uh, Bye. Bye. This has been Philorians United. 
Once again, we want to thank all the Patreon people like Helia that have been helping us to produce this show. With as little as $1, you help us pay the fee that is to host the show. Just go on patreon.com Delorians United and get all the perks. Also, we want to thank Harry Potter and the Sacred Text as well as Spirit Podcast for being mentor and the inspiration of this show. If you have any opinion, want to participate in the debate about the library versus knowledge, please tweet at us. Our Twitter is at Philorians with an S and uh, keep us updated. So yeah, happy uh, whatever you're celebrating. And if you're not celebrating, I still hope that this time of the year is great to you because I know it can be hard. And see you next decade. It's kind of fun to say, right? <laughs> okay, but guys, bye.